We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Well, today I want to say, being at church, whether online or here, what a great decision because the decision you've made today to be here starts to change the world because that's how God makes an incredible difference and changes the world. And I've got the privilege today to talk about something so amazing, something so incredible, something so um, anointed that it continues to grow and make a difference. And that is the church. And you're part of that. Lord, this morning, I pray, would you speak to us? Lord, for each of us, just on our journey, wherever we are, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. We want to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. When God came to this planet, his plan was twofold. The first one, he wanted to deal with our sin and everything we've done wrong, so he died on the cross to set us free. And that's amazing, absolutely amazing for those who've experienced what it is to be free in Jesus Christ, that our past is forgiven, that we've got hope for the future. But secondfold, Jesus was to champion a cause that would be so instrumental that it would continuously change the future of the world. His mandate was to invest his life in such a way that people through every generation to come would be impacted by his life and therefore heaven would be populated. The problem was when he came to this planet, the culture of the time was so contrary to the culture that he wanted to create amongst his people. When Jesus walked on the planet, who were the people that rejected him? The religious leaders, the people that were running the synagogue and running places of worship. They were the people that were supposed to accept Jesus, but they rejected him because he was different. Have you ever been rejected because you're different? Has anyone not ever been rejected because they're a little bit different? Well, Jesus knew what it was to be rejected. And he had to try and change the culture of the religion at that time to create a church that would impact every future generation till the end of the world. Not a big task, is it? <laughs> he had to formulate something 2,000 years ago that was so powerful, so ingenious, so creative, that it would continue until Jesus comes back again at the end of the world, and it would have an impact in every nation, on every person, in every culture, in every place, until he came back again. What a mandate to put on someone to create something that's going to be that powerful. Well, the culture of the time that he had to deal with were rules and regulations. They were dominant as they met together. The hierarchy of control, it was just the, the religious leaders that knew where things were going and they had the only access to God. There was no grace at all. It was do the rules or you get chucked out. Fear that I wouldn't measure up. Exclusiveness, judgment, rejection. Very unattractional spirituality, and it was very, very uninspiring. And Jesus had to make a difference. Would you like his job? 
man. So here in Matthew 18, as we zero in on this, look what he did. It's, it's amazing to see the way that, that Jesus works to make a difference. Here he is. He's got his disciples around him in Matthew 18, and we're reading from verse 13. Let's see what happens. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So he's asking this question, who do people think I am? Am I going to just measure up as another religious leader coming in to push the same culture that people have rejected? So he asked that question. And they replied, some say, Jesus, that you're John the Baptist. Others are talking about it, and they're saying you're Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But... What about you, he asked. You, the ones who've been with me, the one who's got to know me, the ones who've journeyed with me, those who are closest to me, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, he's always a guy, a bit of an extrovert, a bit of a mouth. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He just zeroed in and said, there's no other. Jesus, you're it. You're, you're the one. You're the one. And Jesus replied, listen to what he said to him. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this very rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, to the response of what Peter said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The way they were going to change the culture of the times, the way they were going to change the culture of, of generations is to build my church. And by building my church, it's going to be a cultural buster. It's going to make an incredible difference along the way. It was his response to the culture of the time was to do something completely different that is going to embrace people and that people are going to enjoy. So the way forward, Jesus was talking about, was not just miracles and the miraculous, wasn't just focusing on the cross in the past, wasn't the incredible healings that he did, wasn't the amazing teaching, but it was his church. There was something about the church that was going to impact every generation. There's something in the church that God has put together that will impact lives no matter what. It's his church. And when the church has got it together, it is absolutely amazing. When the church starts to focus on the one that created the church and the reasons that he's created the church, you have revival. Because God created the church to be absolutely amazing. And when the church comes together and we start to pray together, when we focus on the things that God wants us to focus, there is a power and an anointing that is never seen anywhere else because God said, I'm going to build my church and hell will not prevail against it. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing in Scripture where he says about anything, anything else that we're going to build that hell won't prevail against it except the church of Jesus Christ. His people, his amazing people. And for 2,000 years ago, for 2,000 years, the church has been alive. It has survived world wars. It's survived holocausts. It's survived revolutions. It's survived martyrdoms. It's surviving pandemics, 
and every opposition knowing, knowing throughout the centuries the church has got through because the church is God's hope for the world. Do you feel important today? You're part of his church. You're part of his hope. And he is so much, absolutely so much, depending on you. What God created 2,000 years ago has stood the test of time and will continue to stand the test of time until the very end because he proclaimed it. He created, created the church to change culture, to move heaven and earth, to bring life and hope, to overcome the enemy, to create community, to release his gifts, to demonstrate his power, to love one another. Summed up in Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us because the Lord has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set us to, up to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. God has called the church to impact the world in a way that no one or no one else can. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Throughout scripture, he talks about the church in many ways. He talks about the church as the church of Jesus Christ. He talks about the church of God. He talks about the body of Christ. He talks about the temple of God. He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about the bride of Christ. But when he talks about the local church, he calls it the ecclesia, and that's a Greek word. And he's saying, it's the gathering of citizens called out from their homes into public space to assemble together. He wants the church to be seen. And I need to challenge so often people think I don't need the church. I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, that's okay, so I'll do it alone. That's not God's hope for the world. God's hope for the world is to come together as God's people so the presence of Jesus can be seen in the community. Just imagine this church just tomorrow just disappeared completely. Would people notice that was gone? Would cars turn into our driveway expecting to be here in different ways through the week? Of course they would. Because we've made a church that really impacts our community seven days a week. Changing lives, touching hearts, and we are passionate about that. But the local church is God's presence in the community. And when we come together, there is a supernatural work of the power of God in us and with us to make a difference. And I believe the enemy is trying to oppose the church now. The church across our nation, the church across this world, to say you're no longer needed. The, the pendulum is swinging across to the other side, and the church is sitting over here. But I want to declare more than any other time, now is when the church is needed. Now is the time that we need people to come out of their homes and out of their houses to gather together to be the church, in a COVID-safe way, of course. But to be the church, to stand firm. To let the world know that when pandemics come, when criticism comes, when, when laws are being changed, that the church is God's hope for the world. There's no other place that someone can just go to and be prayed for healing and God touches them and heals them and restores them. 
There's no other place that people can go and see the supernatural work of God where people are being prayed for, for, for marriages, for families, for finance, for circumstances, where God turns up and makes an incredible impact on their lives and transform the world. No wonder the local church is God's hope for the world. And this year, this year, part of our vision is to just champion the cause of the local church, to champion the cause again that the church has got a place in this world, that the church has got a place here on the Sunshine Coast, that the church is here to make an incredible difference and to change lives and see people's hearts transformed. Congratulations, God has called you out of darkness into the light. Why? To be part of his church. And 1 Peter 2 simply says, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into God's wonderful light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We had the mercy of God to declare to every single person that needs help and needs hope. Now at this stage, I'd like to ask for two volunteers. So Sam, thank you. <laughs> and Dan, thank you. Two great volunteers. If you guys could come up, because I want to ask you to, come on, come on down. Is Dan here or is he upstairs? Okay, we might have need a replacement, Dan. Anyone brave enough to replace Dan? Okay, thanks, Marnie. We have a replacement, Dan. A better looking replacement. Come on down. Guys, I just want to give you a $50 note. There you go. Seen one of those lately? Probably in ginger, ginger farming, you wouldn't see those so, uh, for a while. But guys, $50. Sam, you're an actor. Marnie, you're a great actress. Sam, that $50 note, I want to do you to do everything you can to destroy it without ripping it apart, but to crumple it, to stamp on it, to do everything to make it ugly and terrible and absolutely rejected. Marnie. I want you to love your $50. I want you to do everything you can for the next minute to make that $50 just feel amazing and loved and that it needs to be here. Can you do that? The time starts now. There he is, got Meryl stamping on it. <laughs> oh, money's doing well, just massaging it. A good massage. Okay, going around. I don't know how many shoes are going to go over this one. And this one is looking very special. Well done. Okay, and you're still going to hold that after it's been under how many feet? Oh, my goodness. Five feet? Five feet? Oh, my God. Hold these up. Hold these up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. How much is that worth? Okay. How much is that worth? You sure it's not $49.50? $50. Can you just stretch out so we can see what it really is? Okay. So this one has been loved and looked after. Still $50. That one's been absolutely massacred. That's the most, that's the best job I've ever seen done of this. <laughs> well done, Sam. That's great. Absolutely massacred. And it's still worth $50. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Well done, give them a clap. They've done an amazing job.
If I had a room of a thousands of those, that'd be really valuable. What's a thousand fifties? Five thousand, fifty thousand, fifty thousand. If I had a room full of thousand of those, would it just be as valuable? It would. Because the value is not in what just happened to these. The value is in what they are. And when God is building his church, the devil's trying to tell his church that you're not as valuable as the next person in the body. You're not as valuable as someone else because of your journey and what you've gone through. And I want to tell you today that the Bible says no matter what you've gone through, no matter what your journey, no matter what your circumstances, you are just as valuable as anybody else. And that's something we've got to receive and that's not something we've got to learn and that's something we've got to live because God sees your journey, God sees your heart, God sees what you've gone through, but he's telling you today, you are just as good as anybody else because of the value is in your heart, not in your journey. You got that? And then he goes on here when he's talking about his church because he's going to value his church, he's going to value the people in his church that they are so valuable. God says that, that I've called you together as a body. And in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Just as the body is one, we have many parts. Its many parts form one body, so it's with Christ. For we who are baptized by one spirit, we also form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free. We're all given to the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made of one, but many. What he's saying is, you are valuable, you are needed in the body, and it is so important that you get connected and belong in a local body of Christ, because that's the hope for the world. The hope for the world is when people realize that they are valued no matter what the journey, and they say, yes, God, I'm valued. I'm going to start to be part of what your dream and your plan and your hope for the world is, and that is the church, and I'm going to be part of the church. Then it goes on in Scripture to say, if you're a foot or your hand, it makes no difference whether you're an eye or an ear. It makes no difference. You all belong to the body. You're all necessary. You're all absolutely needed to be part of that body. And our vision here at LifePoint is to love God, love people, and to see people's lives as coming together to be a body that makes a difference, where we're loved, where we're accepted, where we're forgiven, where we can make mistakes and grace is extended, where we learn to connect with one another, we learn to love one another, we learn to be a community of believers that are standing together no matter what and moving forward to God's preferred future. And we don't know what the future holds. We can't make plans for this year because we don't know what's going on. But man, we can create a culture that together we become a family that's going to move on into all that God has for us. That he's given you a gift. Every single person, the Bible says, who's a Christian, God has given you a gift. And when he gives you that gift, he says, I've given it to you so you can take that and use that in the local church. The gift, the ability you have, use it in the local church so I can shine and make a difference in the world. And it's not just a little ask. And scripture says he wants you to take that gift and that ability to invest it in the local church and to see it grow. And he just loves it when he sees the church being valued 
When he sees a church and people working together for the kingdom of God, making an, in, um, an investment in the future. When my story becomes part of his story, the church, it's a powerful story. And you know, at the end of all days, when our time is finished and we stand before God, in Romans 14.10, it says, every single one of us must give an account of what we've done with what God has given us. There's an expectation from God that we don't mess with this one life that we've been given, this one journey that we're doing. But God has called us to take what he has given us to invest together with others in the local church to make an impact and to make an incredible difference for the rest of eternity. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to feel devalued. It's so easy to say, hey, I don't really fit in. But God is saying, you belong. He's called you, you're part of the local church. Don't let the lies of the enemy ever, ever stop you from being a part of what God has called you to do. I'm running out of time, I want to finish with this. This week I had the absolute privilege to stand in a cemetery under an umbrella with two other people. Rain was absolutely pouring down as we buried the ashes of a lady who had spent 20 years in this church. Now, as the eulogy was being read by her best friend, there were tears running down my face because I realized 20 years this lady had been here, but I really didn't know her. I hadn't got to understand her journey. And then I thought it would be such a shame for us to do the journey and not to get to know people. And I really believe that her story needs to be heard. And I want to read this story. And I've changed the name because I cannot ask her now for permission to read it to you. So I had to change the name. But I'm sure your heart's going to be touched as you heard, hear her story, and yet for 20 years, she served in the church, she stood up for Jesus, and she never gave up. And this says she had one million reasons to give up, but she believed in God, and she believed in the church. Let me read her story. I want to tell you the story about my friend Anne, I will call her. Anne was born in a country town, the daughter of her father's living mistress. Her mother was not taken to hospital to give birth, and when Anne was born, she had a stroke, which left her with a shriveled left hand. Her mother abandoned her when she was still a toddler, leaving her in the care of her father's wife. Anne would only call her Mrs. Thompson, never mum. Anne was hated with a passion from an early age as a product of infidelity. She continually suffered mental abuse throughout her childhood and never left the house apart from going to school. Anne did not know how to interact with people on a social level. She was constantly addressed in derogatory terms and no one ever told Anne that they loved her. Her father was a mean and violent man and she used to hide under the house. And when she would hear him coming home, she would hide for cover. He had a large shotgun, 
She came home from school one day to find the police arresting her father for murder. She doesn't know what happened to him, but she never saw him again. Anne was afraid of men and she never married. Mrs. Thompson sent Anne away to a girls' boarding school where she had a nervous breakdown. She was sent to a mental institution where she remained for her early teenage years and would regularly receive electric shock treatment. She attests to being cruelly mistreated. In later years, she would repeatedly try to reconnect with her birth mother. She wanted to be loved and accepted. However, her mother rejected her. She was a selfish woman who, at Anne's every attempt, would tell her that she hated her and that she was worthless and she was an utter waste of time. Although Anne was often mentally tormented and regularly sought psychiatric help, she had the most amazing sense of humour. She would regularly crack jokes, laugh at herself, and rarely said an unkind word about anybody. The story goes on to say that just about a year ago, she went to the plaza with a friend, and there she was at the plaza, and just as a worship team comes up, there she was at the plaza, and this guy sat near her, and she started to witness to her. And the guy started to talk about his journey and how proud he was about what he did, and that he was, um, yeah, too proud to accept Jesus. And she said that Jesus has made the difference in her journey because it was in Jesus that she learned the power of forgiveness. It was in Jesus that she was able to forgive her past so she could go on and live the life that she was living now and that she loved him and the church was important. I want to tell you today, the church is God's hope for the world. Thank God for the church where people like Anne can come and be loved on. And she was absolutely loved on by a few people in this church. Thank God for the church where we stand together and we pray about stuff and we see the healings that come. Thank God for the church when we take what we have, even though it may be a small gift or a small ability, rather than just keeping to myself and sitting at home, I invested into the church and say, God, make an incredible difference. And how beautiful it's going to be when I stand before him on that day and I say, God, what you gave me, it wasn't a lot, but I gave it to you and I served you and I'm so grateful for all that you've done. So Lord, I want to say thank you. Thank you for our journeys. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for the church Thank you that your church is not ours. And thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing as you're building your church and the gates of hell not prevailing against it. Amen.